Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now to the southern border, the Biden administration is now proposing stricter new rules for migrants applying for asylum with pandemic-era limits now set to expire. Migrants would now be required to apply for asylum in countries they travel through on their way to the U.S. If they come to the U.S. anyway, they could apply at entry points, but most of those who cross illegally, authorities say, will be sent back. Those pandemic-era rules, known as Title 42, that allowed migrants to be sent back without a hearing, are expected to end in May. So the racist President Donald Trump has enacted new policies that are going to keep brown people out of our country because he is a racist. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to jump in here. Actually, uh, Joseph Biden, a Democrat, is now president, and he's enacting many of those same allegedly racist policies because they freaking work and they're not racist we need to talk more about that uh, later in the hour. And he's getting killed politically over it. Well, and people are pouring across the border by the millions. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's draw, draw, driving yeah. the bad uh, poll numbers. Yeah, clearly. It's just horrible, horrible policy, which led to the ons- onslaught of so-called migrants. And I will not call them that because that's an intentional effort to pervert the language and it bothers me that fox news because they are for all of the efforts of somebody like brett bear who i respect very much um they're creatures of the media world even if they are to some extent conservatives they're immigrants if you want to leave out the illegal part eh, it's up to you but they are not migrants they're immigrants anyway 
I thought this was really interesting. And because this comes from the New York Times, I think you can trust it to not be overly harsh on the liberal side of American politics. There's a big, giant new Democratic report that uh, was done by the Democratic Party. It's exploring the, the their struggles with blue-collar voters in particular, among other things. There's a lot to this, but uh, the headline is, Our brand is pretty damaged. But why surprised me a little bit. And they start off that uh, saying that last fall, Democrats pulled off significant victories across the industrial Midwest. The red wave did not really happen in a region that had become increasingly favorable to Republicans. Um, and, and they name check a variety of states from Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. The deindustrialized counties are a huge battleground, the, the Rust Belt factories. And the brand is pretty damaged. The woke thing was important, and it hurt the Democratic brand how far left they are, but that was not nearly as big a factor as the perception that they're crappy on economic policy. Republicans' economic policies were significantly more appealing uh, than Democrats in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these areas. Uh, let me see, skipping ahead, it was written by a longtime Democratic strategist. It notes that President Biden, you know, backslapping blue-collar Joe, uh, one in 2020, in part by reducing the margins of Democratic losses in some of these areas, but Democrats also had major disappointments, like in Wisconsin, Iowa, especially. Uh, so here are the key findings. Culture aside, the economy is the bigger problem for Democrats. Uh, while working class folks find urban and intellectual wokeism annoying, economic issues are driving the problems of Democrats in non-metro working class counties far more than the culture war, which surprised me a little bit. A democratic economic message focusing on uh, attacking corporate greed, investing in manufacturing in the U.S. and pursuing an economy that works for all but the wealthy few tested better in, uh, than a Republican message that l claimed liberals were undermining our way of life. Uh, but the Republican message focused on the economy narrowly outperformed Democrats on the subject. So generally, they trust Republicans more to get the economy rolling. Right. Any comments before we roll on? Uh, that's usually been the case, right, throughout history, modern yeah. history? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they do attribute uh, a lot of fault for inflation to Democrats and, and Biden okay. in particular. Well, that's accurate. Another major conclusion, both parties have branding problems. Many voters studied in these factory towns are deeply, profoundly cynical. Stop branding your voters. They don't like it. <laughs> Uh, deeply, profoundly cynical. That's a quote about both political parties with swing voters holding the impression that both Democrats and Republicans are, quote, too extreme. The sharpest argument against Republicans, the polling found, was, quote, they are on the side of corporations and CEOs and they work for the wealthy. That's been boy, uh, the, 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 the hit my whole adult life. Boy, I'm surprised that still carries the weight that it does. But uh, Democrats, meantime, are seen as, quote, weak and ineffective, especially when it comes to economics. The data found that Democrats struggled with the perception that a Democratic economic plan doesn't exist or doesn't help regular people's own working families. That's interesting. Both of those views of the parties have been around like as long as I've been paying attention. And they, they hold on, even through all the changes and craziness we've had over the last decade. Democrats do have economic plans, but voters don't always know it. And they go into what a lovely job Biden has done here in the New York Times, of course. 
Oh, da, da. working class voters outside of big metro areas are still leading pretty rough, t- tough lives. So we have to balance the story of our success on policy with the recognition of those hard times. The report also urged Democrats to combine traditional ec- economic populist messages with strong emphasis on support for small businesses as well as unions. Quote, most working class folks very much think of small business owners as part of the working class. Democrats and progressive issue advocates should always talk about how much they care about small businesses doing well and should be specific about the ways they want to help the small business community. That is really interesting. Yeah. That talks about perception. I would like to talk about reality where small businesses, generally speaking, get the hell pummeled out of them by Democratic policies. Whether it's exorbitant mandatory minimum wages that are unsupportable by you know how much value these workers bring to the businesses heavy regulations, high taxes. You've got six employees and they treat you like you're, you know, Henry Ford right. and, and some sort of big, giant, and mean, heartless magnate. Yeah, and then you throw in a minimum wage and all different stuff there, and yeah, it gets really tough. Yeah, it reminds me of like if you have a, a little house that you own as an investment and you have a couple of renters, the law, particularly in blue states, um, portrays you like Simon Legree and you're 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 beating on poor tenant farmers by the hundreds and 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 sapping their money and raping their wives and the rest of it it's just the perception that anybody who has anything is evil and has cheated right and anybody who doesn't have is honorable and good and honest and screwed by the system I see they don't get into that because I don't think they even know to ask the question on the left side of the aisle. I think people, they might not be able to put it into words, but there's still a hell of a lot of traditional values in the the central part of the country, especially where people think, yeah, if you work hard, you get ahead, generally speaking. I mean, it's not universal or, or, or anything like that, but they don't like demonizing anybody who does reasonably well. But again, they don't even get into that. One final big conclusion in this report. Uh, 2024 looks competitive. There's early interest in Ron DeSantis. Quote, a considerable number of voters here will have at least an initial tendency to vote for Trump, even if they don't like him all that well. Uh, Still, a close race at this point is notable, given how many Democrats have struggled in some of these counties. Uh, Favorability numbers. 39% of voters had a favorable view of Mr. Trump. 56% 56% had an unfavorable view. And this is Trump country. But, of course, in our primary system, 39% is a big number. Absolutely gets you the nomination. Yeah. Uh, Biden's overall numbers were better, 46% favorable to 52% unfavorable. Although among voters with strong opinions, both men had weak numbers, and the ratings varied considerably by state, which is kind of interesting. I saw a poll out today that Biden had uh, jumped up to 49% approval rating. And, uh, man, if you're a, if you're a you think Biden's going to be easy to beat, whew, he's had a good couple of weeks. That State of the Union address and then the travel and speech yesterday, I mean, that, that certainly didn't make it seem like he's a guy so weak and tired he can't do it. Well, yeah, which surprises me, but I still say uh, Biden's going to lose the election against Father Time. The calendar. Yes, done in by the actuary table. Finally, there is keen interest in Mr. DeSantis, uh, generally regarded blah, blah, blah. 
He has a net positive favorability rating, 42 to 37, which is not huge, but at least it's positive. And this is interesting, was surprisingly well known, that's a quote, with only a fifth of voters having no impression of him. Huh. So he's got significant recognition among 80% of voters. That is astounding for a governor. Right, who hasn't uh, announced he's running yet. But in terms mm-hmm. of the approval rating, disapproval, the, the hits for him haven't come yet, whatever they are. Uh, yeah, at the same time, I think his efforts to really make a case for himself haven't taken root much. But generally speaking, if you're an unknown quantity, you're right. The The potential of the future is more about negatives than positives. Oh, yeah. Did he dress in blackface for a frat party once or whatever, you know? I certainly hope not. That becomes a story for a week. I doubt yeah. that is in his background, but... Oh, that reminds me. There's that, where is that little back and forth when he uh, made a stop on his tour, his pro-police tour? Um, there it is. Uh, so he, uh, Ron DeSantis is doing a blatantly presidential campaign-y thing. He's going to blue cities, blue metro areas, and saying, uh, up with the police, we support the police. And uh, he headed to the New York area. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a Democrat... Uh, tweeted at him, quote, Welcome to New York City, Governor DeSantis, a place where we don't ban books, discriminate against our LGBTQ plus neighbors, use asylum seekers as props, or let the government stand between a woman and health care. Right. Adams wrote on Monday, We're happy to teach you something about the, our values while you're here, said the New York mayor. Uh, minutes later, and this is a preview of the campaign, DeSantis campaign spokeswoman shot back, Nice rhetoric, but here's reality. More Americans fled New York City than any other metro area last year. More Americans moved to Florida than any other state. You know this, Mayor Adams, and you've talked accurately about crime pushing people out of New York City. Florida's crime rate, meanwhile, is at a 50-year low. Maybe it's you who can learn from the governor. That's a pretty good response. Whoa! Counterpunching! I thought you were going to say, and then Eric Adams' pants were stolen right off his legs while he stood there. <laughs> Pants thievery. <laughs> DeSantis heading on to uh, the suburbs of Philly, suburbs of Chicago, and other locations where he is going to uh, tout Florida's record, uh, strengthening bail laws, toughening penalties for sex criminals, and other anti-crime measures. Wait till they all get in. and It's going to be exciting then. How do you feel about a chat bot being your doctor? I feel like that that's already happening. Is that not your experience at the doctor? Stay tuned for that story and others. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER
Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 2007, I got a new job and my friends bought me the latest first generation Because it's iPhone. a new job and you're all excited job, and you've got to do got this, you know. It's got all these you know? neat things on there wow. to do a new job, like a right. calendar and, and all this stuff. And you didn't open it. I had just gotten a brand new phone. And then a couple years went by and somebody was like, hey, an Apple collector might want that. It's the original iPhone and never broke the seal. And I'm like, it's an iPhone, so it'll never go out of date. <laughs> It doesn't have the uh, headline, does it? That it sold for $63,000, an original iPhone, n- not touched in the package. I, I don't get collector hmm. stuff like that. I just It just all seems really weird to me. You have some cool toy from the 80s, and it's worth a lot of money because it never came out of the package. What poor kid got that and didn't take it out of the package? What the hell is going on there? He didn't take yeah. your evil Knievel out of the package and play with it? That's what it's for. I know, I know. I have mixed feelings about that, too. Uh, now, if I'm running some sort of tech museum, I might... Be interested in that because I could make a profit out of it. But what am I going to do? Show it to people? Well, um, looking at a poll. Or I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. It's an investment. It's going to be worth 150 thousand bucks in ten years. Oh yeah, probably. Um, looking at a poll that says a majority of people would be uncomfortable with healthcare providers relying on AI, and it just caught my attention because I've noticed that a lot lately when I go to the doctor. That seems like what's happening. I don't know about it's AI, but 
there's a lot of typing into the computer and then them saying, uh, and I see on the screen sometimes, it just it's like they got their own medical Wikipedia, and it brings mm-hmm. up a page in the doctor who went to doctor school for 10 years, just reads to you what it says on the screen about the stuff you just, and I, I always wonder, hey, can I have that program and I'll just do it from home? And I don't yeah. have to come in here? It just seems weird. Yeah, I, I like it, though. That's well, I mean, fine it, if the, all the knowledge is there, but what am I going to you for? Well, so he can interpret it, you know, and, and say, all right, you, you don't have a flandingerous lesion. You have a uh, flundivorous lesion, lesion there on your arm. So they know the difference. So it's probably not, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Mesopotamianism. It's probably the other one. <laughs> is that a disease? I mean, you still have to sort through the, the information found therein. Okay, that's that story. Then this story. Is the computer probing me, too? I mean, when a probe is necessary, what does, does like an R2-D2 roll, roll out with some sort of, you know, stuff? Uh, speaking of that sort of thing, why do San Francisco teenagers learn so much more about sex in their schools than uh, kids around the country? Well, I think we all know why the, the culture of San Francisco. But the interesting uh, thing about this story is about half of states have no requirement for sex education whatsoever. And then of the states that do, it varies from, you know, a little of the basics to what they do in San Francisco that includes instruction on sexual stimulation. So, you know, as a boy or a girl, what's the best way to stimulate your partner, whether it's another girl or a boy, I guess. Uh, I don't think that schools need to teach that at all. I'm not sure how much sex education I want at all, just because I don't trust these topics in the hands of the schools. I did 10, 15 years ago. I don't now. Anyway, here's the most interesting thing about this as they go through, man, the way what they teach to a ninth grader in San Francisco is way more than I knew as a ninth grader, I'll tell you that. But here's the the punchline to all this. While California has long required sex education, the state also has the highest percentage of high school students who say they've never had sex at 78%. The national average is 62%. So it's significantly higher. What is that all about? So wow. you grown-ups and politicians are obsessed with teaching high school students not only about, you know, condom use or whatever, but how to stimulate a partner and about anal sex and about all these different things. And they're having less sex by far than the rest of the country, probably because you're scaring them off. Wow, that's wild. I think that's interesting. <sighs> Yeah, California, San Francisco in particular, has such a weird, obsessive relationship with sex. It's It's difficult to describe if you don't live in the area. No kidding. It's very strange. If you miss an hour of this show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This Tucson sector is different than any other part of the border. This sector is known for evaders, criminals, and gotaways. It's got remote, rugged desert all over the place. And this Tucson sector had the most known gotaways of anywhere on the southern border last year with more than 175,000. Border Patrol in this sector report almost everybody they apprehend is a single adult man dressed in camouflage, sometimes wearing carpet shoes to mask their footprints in the sand. Almost everyone here is trying to get away they are not turning themselves in 175,000 in just that one little area wow boy that's a stunning number god and what, are, say, what are carpet shoes exactly some sort of slipper i assume yeah yeah interesting i feel uh, like i i feel like there was a period of my life where that was a regular term just like i grew up calling the couch the davenport only rich people called it a couch certainly you were a you know royalty if you call it a sofa but uh wow, the, the working man called it a davenport it was the regular yeah regular guy thing was davenport and i also feel like he called slippers carpet shoes maybe i could be wrong i might have to ask my mom 
See, I I see Davenport as like a pretentious little Lloyd, uh, really r- r- little Lord Funtleroy thing. No, that was the tiny house working class uh, mm. thing you sit on your Davenport. Is that because they were manufactured? Uh, Davenport, uh, Davenport, Iowa was a big furniture building. I have area? no idea. I grew up with a Davenport. I didn't stop calling it that until I was well into college, and people kept pointing and laughing at me when I talk. So <laughs> I adjusted, for so many reasons, <laughs> I adjusted accordingly. Right, right, yeah, well. <laughs> Uh, wow, interesting. Anyway, uh, back to the border. Uh, this is amazing. The question it, being, what are carpet shoes? Yes, I was trying oh, to remember I, how we got off track there. Okay. I mean, that's that. Is that shoes made with carpet on the soles to, to as they said, to hide their footprints, or or are they like uh, any, slippers that it, you wear indoors? Yes, Michael. Michael. Are they like uh, when the service people for your air conditioner come in and they put those things on their feet? Are those carpet shoes? I don't know. How about we Google it? Can you somebody Google it? We'll I'm figure this out. Spe- I'm kind of enjoying oh, uh, I am too. speculating. I am too. I am enjoying the speculation. But at some point, carpet we do need shoes. to move on. <laughs> and Check I'm out our want to carpet know. shoes selection for the very best and unique or custom handmade pieces from our rugs shop. What does it look like? Sneaker rug. Just looks like a shoe. Mm. Buy carpet shoes for women online. What the hell is a carpet shoe? I only wear Yeezys, so I don't know. Um, hang on a second. I really feel like this is bogged down the story. Kind of interested in the whole border situation and Biden adopting many of the Trump rules to try to get on the right side of this politically, but we're bogged down in footwear. Pipe, pipe down. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm learning here. Uh, agents said the illegal. Oh, there. That was the quote from the very uh, report. According to CBP, illegal migrants are using rope to tie scraps of carpet to the bottom of their shoes in hopes of wiping away footprints as they wander through the desert. Okay, man, that's old timey. Uh, Rectangle pieces of carpet, usually the size of the bottom of shoes, used to hide any footprints from Border Patrol. That's that's the Urban Dictionary. Border Patrol agent explains how migrants use carpet booties on YouTube. Okay, I didn't know Interesting. that. I wonder how. Yeah. I wonder how important that is to the getting in. I mean, we're letting in millions of people per year. So do you need to hide your footprints in the sand, or are we even trying that hard? I can't tell. I, th- I think that's so they can't be tracked through the uh, the underbrush when they're being chased. But anyway, so there was a huge announcement yesterday by the Biden administration. I did not get a chance to watch all the evening newses. <laughs> I disguised yes. myself with fan blade hats so I can run under the cover of night, and then I use my curtain pants to... <laughs> No, that's different. Um, so this is a huge change, and I don't know how thoroughly it was covered on your Alphabet News Networks. This is an enormous confession that what caused the run on the border was policy. Policy could end it, and that this is the right policy. Having watched a couple of the evening newscasts last night, uh, no mention of the border. Wow. Wow. Uh, at least the New York Times, for all of its many sins, is covering it, and um, they point out that the Biden administration, in a bid to, uh, bid to prevent a surge of migrants at the southern border, announced its toughest policy yet to crack down on unlawful in- entries, and they do actually admit that this is going back to a bunch of Trump-era policies. The proposed rule, which has been open for 30 days of public comment before taking effect, and which is plainly, obviously, reasonably appropriate it would presume that migrants are ineligible for asylum 
if they enter the country unlawfully. There are asylum-seeking procedures. You have to follow them. It's a significant rollback in the country's traditional policy toward those fleeing persecution in other countries. Oh, yeah, is it really? It would allow rapid deportation of anyone who'd failed to request protection from another country while en route to the United States or those who did not notify border authorities through a mobile app of their plans to seek asylum. So there are rules that you have to apply to the first country Mm -hmm. you come from. If you're fleeing from your country, you can't go country shopping, according to the U.N. rules. Right, but when the Trump administration tried to enforce that or asked other countries to enforce it, of course, he was seen as a a racist, racist, hater, awful orange person. We did get this text. Their carpet shoes are shoes made of carpet, you morons. Eh, Fair criticism. (laughs) Thank you for that contribution. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they mentioned that they're desperate to uh, get this policy to take effect by May 11th, since that's the day Title 42 is going to be uh, uh, ended. Of course, that was the they might have the bat fever. So you got to turn them back law, which in recent months has been cited like as the only possible way to control the border, which is just an absurdity. It's an idiotic, childish argument. There, there are all sorts of policies that have been implemented successfully in the past. And this is the Biden administration finally saying, yeah, we, we just got to do what the Trump administration was doing because it was working. President Biden took office vowing to restore a humane approach to the border crisis after his predecessor, the mean Donald Trump, introduced a series of harsh immigration policies, writes the uh, New York Times. But as the Biden administration has struggled to quell a surge of migrants fleeing economic ruin in their countries, including Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, it has turned to more restrictive measures. Then they quote a couple of so-called migrant advocates who need to shut up and follow the law. Many migrants do not apply for asylum in Mexico, preferring to try their luck in the United States. The new policy was expected to erect a formidable barrier to those hoping to submit U.S. applications. Well, his numbers had gotten into the high 20s, Joe Biden's numbers on immigration, so that might be what's driving this. I don't know. Gotten down into the high 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, some other stupid quotes, but uh, clearly it's a confession that what was being done worked. What we're doing doesn't work at all, so we're going to go back to the old stuff. And you're probably not going to call us racist, are you? Because that's really completely unfair criticism, and we're on your side, so you wouldn't do that. So crime and robins and stuff like that's up all over the place. Do you have a home security system? Have you ever had one? Maybe you, you're probably less likely to buy one if you've had one, because most people I know have had a security system, never used it. Because it was too complicated or went off when you didn't want it to it or whatever. The best one out there, according to all kinds of different publications that rate these sorts of things, is the Simply Safe security system. Yeah, Simply Home, Simply Safe Home Security. Simple is right there in the name. It's simple to use. It's designed with cutting edge security technology powered by twenty four seven professional monitoring, which is different. Simply Safe's professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you get priority police dispatch and you don't get as many false alarms as the old systems. The old systems, which cost more than twice as much as the 24-7 professional monitoring through Simply Safe, which is under a buck a day. Yeah, so all these things that you can do for that price and you order it online, comes to your house, you set it up yourself, that's just fantastic. It is Simply Safe. 
Customize the perfect system for your home in a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today. You can claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Got another favorite headline of the day? It's going to be tough to to beat that whole corgi baby elephant one. That was one of my all-time That was a good one. Uh, Yeah. Corgi-sized meteor. I think we should... (laughs) Give the sizes of more things based on small dogs. Corgi-sized meteor as heavy as four baby elephants hits Texas. Wow, that's a lot of baby elephants for a corgi-sized meteor. It's the baby elephant walk, Michael, in case you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, Here's a good headline from the New York Post. Florida paramedics suspended after pronouncing living man dead. Hmm. You had one job. Um, uh, A's dead. Who wants to go to lunch? <laughs> Hang on, I spend more time checking. In a real headline, which is interesting. So yesterday was the anniversary of the death of Malcolm X. I know that because he was uh, assassinated on my uh, birthday, knocking me off the front page and mm. uh, <laughs> my birth. Um, but the family of Malcolm X announced yesterday on the anniversary of his assass- assassination that they intend to sue the U.S. government including the FBI, CIA, and New York Police Department, for $100 million, saying they have evidence alleging that the government played a part in his death, which very well could be true, given the things that were going on at the time with the uh, spying on and, you know, remember the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover telling Martin Luther King to kill himself and that sort of stuff. So who knows? But Hmm. uh, that could be an interesting story to follow. I wonder about statutes of limitations, but I can easily easily believe that there are hijinks going on that uh, the modern uh, courts would find uh, very, very uh, unsavory. Yeah, I've been making my way through the Pulitzer Prize winning book, The Dead Are Arising, which came out what year before last about Malcolm X's life. And it's absolutely fantastic. But uh, I'll be following that story. You reminded me of something. Statute of limitations. I did not know this, so I've been talking about the whole genealogy thing. I did a, I'm sucked into Ancestry.com right now, and mm-hmm. I, I can't stop doing it. I came up with so much stuff yesterday. Like, I came across a newspaper article about my dad. I don't even know if he remembers it exists. I'll have to send it to him. About when he was in the National Guard and stuff, it's just with a picture of him when he's 23 years old, I think, something like that. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just stunning, the stuff that is on Ancestry.com, and a little creepy. It's also a little weird that you've got all these different things about your life that, you know, you don't always either want to remember or have out there for anybody to be able to grab hold of. Um, yeah. And uh, and anybody can grab hold of them, or, or at least at some point you can, because I didn't know this. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I was uh, texting with my niece who spent a lot of time on this. Hold on just a second. So. Um, I was I was mentioning I mentioned to you that I think it's a lot better because there's been so much interest in so many different people around the country. So people go into these various websites and start filling in the family tree history, which gives mm-hmm. it more interest information to hit on when somebody else that's a distant relative starts to dig into it and they add stuff in and pretty soon they all come together. It's like it's well, it's exactly like putting together a puzzle. You put well, in this you're connecting dots and you're getting more dots. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I didn't know this. A lot of it has to do with the every year a whole bunch of census records get unsealed because of the 70-year privacy limit, which I had no idea of. Oh. So once you hit 70, your stuff is no longer private. Your 
birth certificate, marriage certificate, all that different sort of stuff, and it becomes available. There you go. So you can look at your grandparents' or parents' marriage certificate and dig it up real quick on Ancestry.com. Again, which seems a little creepy to me, but I guess it's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, why does the internet have this picture? That's my family's picture. Right. What have you? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it creeps me out a little. It's just like, wow, I feel like you've, did you break into my house? I mean, why do you have this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, you combine that 70 years with now the, you know, the availability of the internet, that has only existed for a few years. And I mean, in- those two things together. And obviously. the interest in doing this. Yeah, so right. all the people putting in their stuff, you know, you got to, um, do I have time? Well, I don't really have time for this. But it was always weird to me as a kid. Like, we'd go visit our cousins. And I was friends with my cousins and stuff like that because we had, you know, we had the same grandparents on that side. But it was always kind of weird to me to think that they've got grandparents on the other side that I've never met before. A couple oh, yeah. that, they, that they have the same relationship with is this. But they're like completely different people. Well, so those people have pictures of that family that you've never seen before. And they post them and it just it all starts filling in. On one hand, it's really cool and interesting. On the other hand, again, it creeps me out. Um, hmm. I need to get into this. I don't know that I want every photo or story about me that's ever occurred to, to be available to everyone. Oh, I'll be a wealth of information. I <laughs> My fees are modest and affordable. <laughs> anyway, if you know any more about it, you could always text us. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, more chuckling there than I think it was appropriate. That was the governor of Ohio, along with the EPA commissioner, drinking water in a woman's kitchen there in Palestine, Ohio, to prove that the water's okay. You know, there's a lot of people really concerned, so I don't know if laughter like that is appropriate, but... Um, I meant to get there. There were some guests on Face the Nation, I think it was, with Margaret Brennan. They were not government officials there, but they were experts in this whole contamination chemicals water thing. And they said the government is not testing for what they need to be concerned about. Their tests don't cover that. So while Hmm. they are they are honestly saying, hey, we've tested the water and it came back clean. It's because you're not testing for what happens when these chemicals combine. And uh, Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation said, well, would you let your kids drink the water? And they both said, absolutely not. Wow. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Boy, that just goes to show how easy it is to be dishonest. Yeah, Yeah, it is. So, uh, different topic. So, a guy announced he's running for president. Everybody knows that Trump's in and now Nikki Haley's in. Do we honor every single person that jumps in? How about Vivek Ramaswamy? Is that the way you say his name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Okay. And is he for real or not? Well, yeah, we've quoted him many times on the show. He's a thinker, a tech guy. And he might be he might be a good dude, and he might be seriously running for president. But a lot of people who run for president aren't good dudes or women, and they aren't seriously running for president, and they just realize it's a great way to take like a two-year paid vacation and raise their profile so that they maybe they can get a cable news show. 
C1 Eric Swalwell, who clearly was not in it to win it when he decided to run for president uh, back in the day, or run for anything for that matter. Uh, he lived large on campaign cash, as these people often do, spent over half a million on luxury travel and hotels. I can give you some of the examples. Swalwell's campaign lived large with one notable travel expenditure being $20,000 to stay at the Ritz-Carlton Half Moon Bay in California, which according to the property's website is a scenic Forbes five-star bluff-top resort overlooking the ocean. With a Congress- one of Fang Fang's favorite spots. She loves it, the whales, the waves, so much to love. You see, you don't have to stay at a place that nice, paid for by campaign contributions, but you certainly can if you want to. Al Sharpton's famous for this. Whenever you have all your, you know, Iowa's going on and everybody's traveling around to the 99 counties and staying in flea bag hotels because they're barely scraping by because they're serious about running for president. Al Sharpton was always staying at the nicest hotel in town and limoing around eating the nice restaurants because he didn't care if he ran out of money. He wasn't actually running for president. <laughs> and some of y'all, unfortunately, probably not a lot of people listening to this show, were duped into thinking he was serious about the things you care about and you gave him freaking money. This is one of the reasons I never give politicians money, but... Um, uh, Swalwell burned through thousands of dollars in Paris, France, for instance, including $1,800 last May at the five-star hotel La Maison Champs-Élysées, where night rooms run from about $1,000 to $1,200 a night, because that's the only place you can stay, is that five-star sure. hotel in Paris, if you're in there. Hey, the Motel 6 was full. Yeah. Anyway, there's all kinds of examples of that, of uh, expensive restaurants and uh, uh, private flights and that sort of stuff. It's just sickening. It's just sickening. Pay a little attention who you give money to as a politician, all right? Did, did they seem like they're serious about the issues they claim they're serious about? Or do they just want to travel around on a two-year vacation and raise money and raise their profile? You know, it's hard to know in real time till those records come out. Mm, yeah, it's not always hard to know. <laughs> they're locking up my toothpaste. Hanson, you got to isolate the, that sound he just made. I have more to say, but no time to say it. Damn it. If you miss an hour of this show, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.